1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on
0: 630 Chad 780-496-0063 the number to call or text good to have Rob Brown on the show we got Pierre Maguire coming up in a few minutes AJ gas at the bottom of the hour I mentioned earlier this is going to be exciting on Monday I know what I'll be doing at 10 a.m. on Monday NASA is going to announce an exciting new discovery about the moon new information about the moon that that is truly amazing. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> well hang on.
2: We could speculate on it, I guess.
0: Max says, uh whalers on the moon if I studied Futurama correctly. I never watched Futurama. There were sorry, Whales or Whalers?
2: Whalers. heart? I think it was the song. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was the song that one of the characters sang, I believe so. It'd be neat if there were whales on the moon. Whales were
0: a big part of Star Trek IV, the voyage home, if people remember that. Remember the alien probe came to get the whale song response and it wasn't there, so it was going to blow up the Earth. So they went back in time in the Klingon ship and brought back whales from modern-day San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. I can recite the plot of Star Trek IV on demand. Okay, everybody? I never saw it. (laughs) They had to go back in time to get whales. I think they had a Klingon <laughs> ship. I think the Enterprise had been destroyed in Star Trek Three: the search for Spock. So I, I believe they were using a Klingon ship. Somebody will correct me. Somebody will. And then they, I think, yeah, I think they cloaked it and they landed it in a park in San Francisco. And then they went about and did their business and built a container for the whales and went back to the future to mm. borrow another title of another movie. And then the the whales gave out their what what do you call the whale language the sonar the whale the whale noises the whale song I guess they yeah. g- gave that reply and then the probe was happy and it left Earth and everybody lived happily ever after except for the the whales who were stuck in 1984 missing the whales who mysteriously disappeared just saying. That would, that would have been traumatic for the friends of the whales that have to go to the future. And then those whales in the future might have been lonely because they only
2: had themselves. Oh, well. That is Star Trek fan convention level thinking there, Reed. Let well, I'm actually out, not a huge...
0: The I'm not like a big Star Trek fan. I like the shows. I'm not as big into it. I like, I like Star Wars more. Yeah. I like Star Trek Discovery. I've been watching that. It's back on on Thursdays. The season premiere, season three premiere was last week. Uh, Mark says they called the Klingon ship that they stole the Botany Bay. All right. There's a little bit of trivia from Mark. Appreciate that. 7804960063. So they did have a Klingon ship. And I guess they, they stole it or probably killed all the Klingons on it, one or the other. Anyway, uh, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. It's a sports show. Well, we were talking about the moon. Okay. Monday at 10, the uh, big announcement about. The moon. NASA has an exciting new discovery about the moon. I See, I find this really interesting. This is the type of thing I think should get more attention in the news. It shouldn't just all be... Now, the U.S. presidential is very big, but you put on most channels, especially the American all-news channels, and that's all you see. Trump, Biden, this and this, they're going to debate, they're yelling at each other, on and on it goes. I think this should get a little more attention. I just happened to kind of randomly see it on Twitter. It's an announcement, like things that to do do with the universe and our existence and how we're uh, made up and all that kind of stuff. I I find that very interesting. Uh, And I just think like, who knows what's on the moon? What if one day we discovered life on another planet or somewhere else in the solar system or the galaxy? What if an alien probe showed up and wanted whales? What would we do? Well, I guess we still have whales, so we're fine. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Chris Russell gets a one-year contract extension from the Oilers, so he'll play this year. Then he signed for uh, one more year. One point two five million dollars is the average annual value of his extension. Okay, I am pleased to welcome back to the show from the NHL on NBC analyst Pierre McGuire and Pierre. The last time I uh, I talked to you, you were getting into the bubble here in Edmonton. How did that all go?
3: Well, I thought it was fantastically well done by the people in Edmonton. They deserve so much credit. Uh, the World Junior is going to be a smashing hit because of the experience of what the people in Edmonton went through and the way they uh, treated all of us that were their guests. For I was there for nine weeks. Uh, whether you were a healthcare professional, whether you were an arena security person, a security person on the street, uh, a hotel worker, a bar, or a restaurant worker, I got to tell you, the hospitality was amazing. The professionalism of the healthcare people was awesome, and and the arena itself was just spectacular. So, couldn't say enough good things about it. And uh, it was nine weeks; it went by pretty darn quick when you think about it
0: well and leading into another hockey story this week man doc emrick he's he's hanging up the mic i guess we call it uh, you had a long relationship with uh, with doc let, let me take you back do you remember the first time you met him or the first time you worked with him
3: uh the first time i met him i was an assistant coach with the pittsburgh penguins and we were actually playing the philadelphia flyers and back then he was a broadcaster for the flyers and i was coaching with the penguins and You know, we had a real good team back in the early 90s, and the Flyers, not so much. So Doc was great. He'd come in and try to get little stories about everybody on your team or about the coaches. And he was just so thorough and professional. And I remember that about him in my first meeting with him. Um, And then the second time I met him, he was actually doing Flyer broadcasts. Uh, and he was also doing football for CBS, and I know he was going out to do a game in Green Bay, believe it or not, after a Flyer-Penguin uh, game. So, again, um, got to know him better when I was coaching. The first time I ever worked with him was back in uh, 2006. Um, that's when we started the NHL and NBC, and it's been 15 amazing years since.
0: All right, you're you're an experienced, confident guy, but was it? Uh, I don't know if intimidating was the was the right word to work with Doc. I mean, you know, you're, you're you're sharing the booth with one of the all-time greats, right?
3: He never made you feel like he was going to intimidate you. He always made you feel like you were a welcome part of the group. Um, the best times I ever spent with him over the course of the 15 years, probably the preparation for every game, and I don't know how many games we did together, but it was a lot. Um, including Olympics, uh, which we did, you know, both summer and winter starting in 2006 in, in Torino. Um, so a lot of different games in a lot of different places. He never f- made you feel like he was over you and he was the power guy. He always wanted to include you, uh, whether you were a tape operator, a producer, a director, uh, an analyst, uh, in between the glass person, it didn't matter. He, he was... He is amazing to work with because he always considered you an equal.
0: What's he like to, to be around away from the job and away from the rink? If you're traveling together or you're doing a lot of playoff games together, there are morning skates and lunches and dinners and, and probably some downtime along the way. What was, he, what was the dock away from work like?
3: Uh, he loves his Pittsburgh Pirates, so he's a huge baseball guy. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he loves minor league hockey. He loves women's hockey, so it's usually a lot of sports conversation. Um, He knows so many different people in so many different walks of life, but in particular in professional sport. Uh, So it was always fun. Uh, My greatest experiences with him, I got to tell you, were the afternoons leading up to games and just sitting in our studio and talking and writing notes and, you know, quizzing one another or uh, having a cup of coffee, just... And there were life lessons, you know. I I sent him a note the day I knew it was official. And um, I talked about the different people that have influenced my career, you know, Craig Patrick in Pittsburgh, the late Bob Johnson, who I worked for and coached with, Scotty Ballman, who I was roommates with and coached with, and Brian Burke in, in Hartford. You know, a lot of really good people that I've had the privilege of working for and with. And I said, Doc, you're in that category. I mean, you really helped me significantly in terms of understanding the broadcast business and, and in particular, the national broadcast business in the United States. So I, I was really grateful for the time that I spent with him. But he was an amazing, uh, and still is obviously, he was an amazing friend, uh, tremendous educator, uh, and really poised when it came to putting words together and storylines together.
0: So i got to ask you this, Pierre. Do you have a favorite Docism in terms of, because one of my favorites, waffle boarded away for the blocker save. And I saw some people tweeting that when he made the announcement a couple of days ago. Is there a turn of the phrase that stands out for you?
3: You know, somebody asked me that the other day. I've done so many darn interviews uh, over the last three or four days. And somebody asked me, what's Doc's favorite go-to line? And I said, I really don't know of one because he's such a darn good wordsmith and he's such a good storyteller and he's so plugged in in terms of information he could go anywhere whether it was a two to one game or a two two game or you know a five four game in, in overtime in a game seven he he really or going into overtime uh, potentially with a five four score he could tell amazing stories he really could um, i don 't remember any that stood out to me. The Waffle board one has been brought up to me numerous times Reed I have to tell you. <laughs> so that's pretty neat i grew up in montreal so i used to listen to the late danny gallivan and the thing he'd say all the time was the pucks caught up in his paraphernalia and sometimes i'd hear doc do that and it would take me back to my youth and i'm sure doc probably heard danny do that because doc listens to all kinds of broadcasters all over uh the sporting world
0: well said pierre mcguire joining us then right at inside sports there's some uh Some thoughts on his uh, long professional and personal relationship with Doc Ambrick. Hey, Pierre, while I got you, let's just quickly hit on a couple of Oilers storylines. They're hoping Kyle Turris is a little more depth down the middle. Third line maybe can help on some special teams. That's the hope. You've seen him play Ottawa, Nashville. What do you make of that signing for the Oilers?
3: I think it's great. Plus, there's a sense of familiarity with Dave Tippett, um, which I think is can't be undersold. Maybe things didn't go exactly the way both of them wanted to in Arizona, but Dave knows exactly what he's getting in Kyle. There's a lot of uh, potential offense there, too, in terms of supplemental offense. Uh, when you have a player like Kyle, he can still shoot the puck. He can still skate. I think he'll thrive in that lineup. When you think about the depth down the middle that they have now with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale, And let's not forget Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's so flexible. He can move from center to wing uh, and play either side, really. So they really have an array of depth down the middle that you have to have to win. And so I think that's really positive for the Oilers. And I think Kyle needed a change of scenery, and I think going to Edmonton will help him. It will not hurt him.
0: Tyson Barry, the Oilers got him. It sounds like he had his mind made up weeks ago that he wanted to come to Edmonton. It's been interesting for me, Pierre. Of course, we get a lot of fan reaction on 630 Ched. I've heard everything from, well, this is great, to he's a defensive liability, to some fans saying, well, with Clefbaum out, isn't that just a lateral move bringing in Barry." Uh, what do you think? I mean, clearly he has, I think, some skills that the Oilers haven't had on the back end for a while.
3: Well, he's a great first-pass defenseman, number one. Uh, He did not have a great year in Toronto last year, and I think he just got overwhelmed by the situation. Uh, It's the first time he'd ever been traded and I just think he was really uncomfortable in the entire situation. There was a major coaching change, so there was a philosophical change in in the style of play. I think that kind of confused him a little bit, too. Uh, He'll come in. He'll have the luxury of training camp. Um, I think that they'll be able to get to him. The power play is already great. They were number one in the league this past year. i got to think they're going to be number one or number two or number three right at the top again. He'll help the power play, especially if Clefbaum can't play. I've known Tyson a long time i really like him as a player i really like him as a person you'll never have an issue with him around your team and i think he's going to help guys get better especially the forwards because he's so clean coming out of his own zone the puck's not going to be around the boards a lot it's going to be through the middle of the ice into open skating lanes and i think that will help the oilers in terms of their attack off the rush
0: Yeah, uh, sounds like that's what they're looking for, for sure. Hey, Pierre, I I know you've still been busy here, even though the playoffs are over, so thanks for checking in on 630, Chad. We really appreciate your time, and all the best, man. We
3: will always join you. Thank you very much for having me on. Enjoy whatever pause we have here. Enjoy
0: it until we get back. Right on, Pierre. That was good. That is Pierre Maguire from the NHL on NBC. Good stuff about working with Doc Enrick for so many years. First knew him when he was coaching, and uh, Maguire likes Taurus and Barry. Come to the Oilers. We'll see how they work out whenever the season does get going again. 20 minutes after 7, AJ Gass from the Edmonton football team is coming up inside sports on six thirty.
1: We're gonna live tonight like it's our last night. Our Tuesday party's going crushing to the wind. Our last chance to show the world just what we made of. We'll bring this out to a sneeze and then.
0: I like that. I like that track. I like it. That is Fozzie,
2: Chris Jericho, lead singer. What is he, from Winnipeg, Kellen? He is from Winnipeg. Is he still an active wrestler? He is, yes. Oh, cool. And Fozzie still puts out the occasional album, don't they? Yep. Yeah, and if everything goes well with, uh, you know, obviously the current situation, nobody's touring, nobody's doing anything right now. But if uh, things go well here and there is a, I guess, a solution to the COVID-19 issues and that stuff, uh, yours truly will be on a cruise with Chris Jericho this time next year.
0: All right, I, I, we did not plan to talk about this. So I was going to talk about something else here, but I, I can't ignore this. Okay. What ahead. are the circumstances of you, Kellen Kennedy, mm-hmm. going on a cruise with Chris Jericho?
2: It is the third annual Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. And I bought my package during the summer. And it is a kind of a week long cruise from Miami to uh, Grand Bahama Island and back. And it's wrestling, it's rock music, you name it. Already signed. Well, Fozzie's going to play on the on the cruise, and uh, Stryper, I'm not sure if you're aware of them. From I the 80s, remember Striper. yeah, Christian hard rock band exactly. from the 1980s. Yep. Yes, yep. So they're already signed, <laughs> and more acts to be announced uh, throughout the year here and that stuff. So, so will Jericho wrestle and play rock music while he's on the cruise? Yes. That's my good. That's my understanding of it. Yes. <laughs> and is he, sorry, he's still a member of WWE? He is a member now of the brand new all elite wrestling company. Well, it's, it's, a, oh, it's about a year old now, so it's not so really brand new. But while you're on the cruise, let's, we
0: need to get a plan going. Yes. Can you ask, can you recruit him to come wrestle in the Slaw? Oh, absolutely. The Silver Lake Alliance of Wrestling. We steal him away from the AEW. Yeah. We got to prepare maybe a nice duotang with Mm -hmm. some
2: notes, maybe a pie chart about the advantages of him joining the slot. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And even if this uh, cruise gets pushed back... um Yours truly will still go on a cruise. It's already been pushed back once. So if it gets pushed back to 2022, 2023, whatever, I'm still going. You're
0: going. You're yeah. guaranteed to go. Absolutely. Yep. Well, that is awesome. You're going to have to do a hit from the show while you're on the cruise. Hey, no problem. For you, Reed, anything. <laughs> that's that's. I did not know you were doing that. Yeah. There well, there's a nice little tidbit tonight for My everybody. My next
2: big adventure.
0: That is good stuff. What's it called? The Rock and Wrestling Rager? At sea. <laughs> Wooey! AJ Gas coming up inside Sports on 6:30. Chad still one nothing Tampa Bay. They're in the top of the fourth. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Chris Russell, one-year contract extension with your Edmonton Oilers. So he has one year left on the four-year deal. He signed three years ago. And then he'll get another year. This one, though, coming in just at $1.25 million, His average annual value on the current contract, $4 million per season. We were talking a lot about that earlier. You can also read more on 630 chcom Globalnews.ca. Now, 3 nothing Tampa Bay leading the Dodgers. They are into the bottom of the fourth, actually, bottom of the fourth, just starting Dodgers at bat. We'll keep you updated there. 780 496 0063, the number to call or text. Roadhammer, who's our slot champion, texting in. He says, I have no problem having a title fight with Mr. Jericho. He actually went to high school with my cousin, so he has something coming to him. LOL from the Roadhammer, who has been a fine champion and an excellent representative mm. of the sylvan lake alliance of wrestling Roadhammer, mm. thank you so much 780-496-0063 monday at 10 we're going to find out what nasa has discovered new about the moon i'm looking forward to that tomorrow i'll be uh, doing the final hour of 6 30 chet afternoons for Jay Lynn from five to six i'll have inside sports from six to eight Tomorrow we will have uh, Dave Jones on the show. This is going to be a fun one. He is the owner. Now Dave Campbell dug into this, but he left me some notes here, and I'll, I'll have some more for tomorrow. Uh, but Dave is telling me that Dave Jones is the owner of what is believed to be North America's first center devoted to volleyball and pickleball, which is due to open in Edmonton on November first. So apparently, the first ever center devoted to volleyball. And pickleball now I do not know a lot about pickleball uh, I, I'm currently looking it up on Wikipedia that's the extent of my knowledge though I have found out if I have found out it was apparently first played on Bainbridge Island an island I've been to it's across Puget Sound from Seattle uh, it combines elements of badminton table tennis and tennis it is a paddleball sport similar to a racket sport so, apparently, we're going to have a facility here in Edmonton that is for pickleball and volleyball. So, we're going to find out more about this to me, to tomorrow with the uh, owner of this center. So, I'm quite curious about this. I think it's going to be a fun segment. And I believe Dave uh, used to be the principal of a high school here in Edmonton. 7804960063. If you have played pickleball, send me your remarks. I would like to know. And I would like to know if I accurately described it well off wikipedia did i accurately read what wikipedia has written about pickleball for example here's some good trivia some sources claim that the name pickleball was derived from that of the pritchard's family dog which is uh, apparently where the game was first played the family dog named pickles and so they called it pickleball that's probably true why would you not name something after your dog anyway now it has stuff now i'm really getting into pickleball i gotta stop myself here because i have to talk to this gentleman it's great to have him back on the show he's usually deep into the cfl season at this time of year but of course things are different so he's been doing some other things special teams coordinator for the double football team it is aj gas aj how are you doing i'm doing great reed how are you doing i'm doing very well it's nice to have you on the show obviously under very unusual circumstances, uh, man, I mean, uh, people loved watching you play and, and they were happy when you came back and joined the coaching staff. You're a competitive guy, football's your life. So, dare I ask, when was the last time you were in the third week of October and not somehow involved in competitive football? I mean, actual games?
4: Yeah, it, it's probably, see, I'm 44 uh i was seven years old the last time i wasn't playing football at this time so 37 years
0: that that's amazing how that is
4: insane
0: how how tough is it i mean you got the competitive juices flowing all the time i'm sure how how difficult is this?
4: It is tough, you know. I mean, when you're used to being occupied from, you know, 5.30 a.m. till 8 o'clock at night, you know, seven days a week, it's, it's it's a hard thing to get used to just having a little bit of time on your hands. Um, you know, fortunately over the summer, um, uh, I was able to hang out with the kids and the family and do a couple of things that I, I wouldn't normally have been able to do. But um, at this time of year, you know, you're really – you know, you're itching towards playoffs, and your mindset's all about what we're going to do in season. And, and to not have that, it's it's uh, frustrating for sure. Well, it it was
0: it was weird for me in the summer. Uh, I did wind up covering playoff hockey, which was a new thing. But when it flipped to Labor Day, I I really especially started missing the CFL because you didn't have the Edmonton Calgary game, the traditional matchups. AJ, and at this time of year, I I, I know, and you know, we're always. We always kind of uh, complain about that first snowfall and the weather dropping, but I was also thinking this is that time of year. There's probably two or three games left. Teams are trying to clinch a playoff spot. You have the added... Um, element of playing in cold weather right at this time of year you're not just playing your opponent you're often playing the, yeah. the weather as well so you, you gotta miss the, that tension and special feeling of this time of year
4: yeah it's weird is, is those stressors that, that you know people will normally complain about being stressed out those are the things that I'd say most players and coaches are motivated by so um, again not having that in your life at this point is it's a uh, it's a disappointing feeling That's that's for sure
0: Okay, so eight years old. Were you a good football player right away? Did it take you a while to, to figure it out? And what position did you start with, AJ? Uh,
4: I started out as a defensive end, and I, I just started to play football just by chance. I was a big baseball player growing up. So um, one of my good friends, I was hanging out at his house after school one day. I asked where he was going. He said to football practice. Um, Why don't you come play? I called my mom from his house. I said, mom, can I play football? She said, sure. And I got out there and probably for the first three or four weeks, I literally just got my butt kicked all over the field. And 90% of the time, it was from my buddy who got me to sign up, um, because he was a little bit more physical than than I was at that age. Um, But I caught on quick. I, I moved from defensive end to running back, and I spent most of my uh, playing career, all the way up till grade 11 in high school, as a running back. Um, and then that's when I made the transition to linebacker.
0: Well, see, I always think that the guys who go from offense to defense are smarter than the guys who go from defense to offense. Because at some point, you realize you'd sooner hit than be
4: hit, right? 100%. <laughs> you know, 100%. And the thing about linebacker and running back is it's almost a mirror position. I mean, you see the same holes, you take the same angles. The beautiful thing about uh, linebacker is you don't have to worry about holding on to the ball. And that's when you can just tee off and, and make hits.
0: AJ Gas joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Okay, well, uh, we miss it, of course, and we, we miss seeing the team play. But you are keeping busy. Tell us what you're doing with uh, the U of A's Chris Morris here. This is pretty cool.
4: Yeah, we got a uh, uh, Alberta top eighty football players. So we got guys from from all over Alberta coming up. Um, we're putting them through a six week, uh, basically a football camp, coached by. Former CFL guys, current CFL guys, U of A coaches, Um, we're getting a a lot of great competition. We got them in the classroom, watching film, putting in schemes, and uh, for a lot of these high school kids, this is the only football they're probably going to get this year, so uh, for them it's big and for us it's, it's fun to get out there and teach again.
0: What do you like most about working with kids in that age range? They're in high school. You know, they're, they're, you probably see incredible progression, maybe even week to week at that time in their life.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, they're very moldable at that age. You know, they, they absorb everything that you teach them. Um, 99% of the stuff that, that you go through with them is new to them. Um, so when you see them apply whatever technique you taught them successfully on the field, and, and you see their confidence grow, it's an awesome experience to be a part of.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what is it, is this all positions you're, you're, you're working with? Like, is it kids from a wide variety of uh, schools and talent groups and all that kind of stuff?
4: Yeah, so uh, a few weeks ago we had uh, an evaluation camp, and, and I think we had probably close to 200 kids out. Uh, we put them through drills. Combine type training, getting numbers and seeing how kids move to evaluate and then we took the top 80 of that group and invited them back for this six week camp. Um, But yeah, it's a full team. We go, you know, 12 on 12. The only thing we're not doing is special teams, but it's offense, it's defense, uh, individual work, competition periods and full team periods.
0: What's it like seeing your old teammate who was, uh, like you, a very intense player, Chris Morris? What's it like seeing him with the coaching whistle?
4: That's awesome. You know, I I think when, you know, knowing Morris was a a teacher, um, he he takes that same approach when he's on the field. You could just see, you know, the kids respect him, he commands that respect, Uh, he's very well thought out, very well organized. And, uh, you know, he really gets these kids motivated to play football, and that's a fun thing to be a part of.
0: Okay. Well, that's cool you're doing that and, uh, and keeping busy. You know, what do you find yourself watching when you have, uh, have some time? Are you watching a lot of NFL? Did you get into the hockey or the NBA or anything like that? World Series obviously is going on.
4: Uh, well, I, well, when the Oilers was lost, I kind of faded away from hockey. Um, but I was heavy on basketball, you yeah, know, big Laker fans, so that was a, a good thing to be watching. Um, all the, you know, from the very first game that was on college football, I've been watching that. Obviously, NFL every weekend, and, uh, and it's just, you know, it's not enough sports because I don't have my own, but, but it's getting me by.
0: Okay, so Lakers, geez, AJ, that was, that was a drought for them, eh? Ten years without a championship. How did, how did you survive?
4: Yeah, it was rough. It was, it was rough. You could see them trying, trying to put all these pieces together, um, but, but bringing in LeBron kind of sealed the deal. Uh, AD was, was amazing, and, and I think if we can keep this group together, uh, we'll have a nice little run. Do you
0: bother entering into the Le- LeBron versus Jordan debate? Do you want to touch that one, AJ?
4: Um, you know, I just—it's just different eras, so it's—it's kind of hard to say because the competition level's different, the—the the skill set's a little bit different. Um, obviously, when you have a guy like Jordan who came out and did it first, there's always going to be a lot of weight to that. Uh, I'm a big Kobe guy, so Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan are all in that mix.
0: Okay. Just a couple more for you, A.J. Scott Milanovic, the new head coach of the team, he's doing a half-hour show every week with Morley, uh, you know, keeping the team in the spotlight as much as he can. And how, how much communication is going on between you and Milanovic and, and you and the other coaches? Are you trying to keep some sort of a routine with that?
4: Yeah, I talk to Scott probably every week, once a week. Um, defensive coaches get together once or twice a week. Uh, we're still trying to put our game plans together, how we're doing, film breakdown and scouting reports. Uh, so I talked to Noel Thorpe a lot about that. Um, so just to keep us in a rhythm heading into this, I guess it's this extended, extended off season, But um, just so that we're not rusty when we come back and we can get so much work done now uh, as far as scheme and plan and, and those details that, you know, coming in next year, we won't be stressed about
0: all right, and I'll ask you one more. Um, you know, you played here. You were back in California. You're back part of the double football team again. What do, you, what do you like most about being back in Edmonton? Or once once, maybe once you got back, what did you realize that, that you had missed that maybe you didn't know you had missed?
4: Uh, well, it's just, it's just the familiarity you have with, uh, with the city, you know, with, with, the, uh, with the building over there, even though it's changed. You know, so much of it was familiar Lots of the same guys that uh, I played with are still in town, and seeing those guys out at games and stuff like that, it's just its an awesome experience uh, to come back and just feel the familiarity that uh, I have with the city and this organization.
0: Okay, and I, I just thought of one more, so I'm going to pitch you one more, AJ. Uh, sure. National Football League, is there a linebacker that you really enjoy watching, or maybe somebody that reminds, uh, reminds you of yourself from your playing days?
4: Oh, current um you know i don't know if any i think they're all better than me you know so it's hard to say anyone is like me i was an undersized guy and so these these players are far bigger than i was i'd be more of a strong safety down in the nfl um but i really like wagner i think wagner's a stud football player um and and lots of these guys that are coming out now are going to end up being really good players in the future all right well aj we
0: appreciate you talking to everybody here on six thirty. Chad. ched good for you getting involved with coach morris and the camps that are going on there and uh we'll make it through buddy and i'm sure in the spring we'll be talking about actual games and schemes and big plays and all that kind of stuff really appreciate your time
4: oh thanks for having me reed you have a great day
0: that is AJ Gass check it in, special teams coordinator for the Double E football team. So, helping Chris Morris put on some football camps. And uh, yeah, trying to stay, stay busy, in touch a lot with Scott Milanovic. Still trying to think a lot about football and hoping, hoping, hoping we do have a season next year. 780 496 0063, the number to call or text. Yeah, fifth inning, still 3 0, Tampa Bay leading the Dodgers. Back after the break. Chris Russell, one-year contract extension. That's the Oilers' news. He does have a year remaining on his current deal, so this one is for the 2021-2022 season. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. 63 I am blessed to receive a phone call from JP. JP, go ahead, sir. <laughs> well, I,
5: I am blessed as well that you answer my call. I always appreciate your, uh, your time. And I'm loving the show tonight, by the way. Fantastic guest all the time. You're making my night on the road. Easy peasy. But let's get down to Brass shall we read? First of all, how are you, reader It's a long time, no chat. I hope all is well. Yeah, I'm doing great. I
0: appreciate it. Good, I good. hope you are doing I'm well, always,
5: too. Always read, always, always. I'm going home. I'm having a whiskey after today. I'll tell you this. But I want to get down to Brass Talks. You just brought it up, and what a segue. What a segue. They talk about the restaurant. Everyone on the Twitter, all the GM, all the for on the Twitter. Why are we signing ourselves? set? This guy's not a bad defenseman. He's a nice addition. I love to keep him in the mix. He's loved on the team. He's hardworking. Every one of the players have respect for this guy. He's not a bad defenseman. I'm sick and tired of everyone going, oh, well, are we, why, who are we going to run out of town this year? There's got to be a new candidate. You candidate is such a short bitchery. Enough of this Wilder, fan. But Reed, that's why I want the phone. I just want to say I love Russell. This guy uh works on the farm, he hate bale. he does it all. Thank you, Reed. Much love, you have a good evening, take care, right.
0: Right on, that is JP. He's glad Chris Russell's sticking around with the Edmonton Oilers. Always happy to hear from JP Dave Tippett, head coach of the Oilers was speaking to Bob Stoffer on Oilers. Now I, I found this cut interesting. So I want to get to it here tip on his overall assessment on last season.
1: Well, I think in the regular season before the, uh, the shutdown, you know, I thought we really made strides. There was, uh, you, know, you go into a new situation whether you're a new GM new coach, and you're trying to get to know everybody you're trying to figure out what you have and I thought we made some uh, some good progress through the year um, a couple dips here and there, but you you kind of learn about people um, found some strengths of our team and recognized some weaknesses and uh, I thought we were going the right direction when we when it got stopped in in the spring. We had, uh, we had tweaked a few things and felt like we had a pretty good handle on our team, and uh, we, we were, felt like we were moving the right direction. And the stop, and we came back, and it was disappointing. The uh, uh, coming back out of the break, um, you know, we just uh, our our mindset, our, our focus. That first game was disappointing. We got down early and we chased the game, and and uh, all of a sudden there was you could, everything we kind of built. We, you could feel like they were second guessing. So the rest of the series, I thought we uh, we played well enough to win it. Uh, I didn't like the way we defended at times. I thought our goaltending was very average in the in the it was very good in the regular season and very average in the, in the play in. And, uh, and we just made too many critical mistakes at wrong times that cost us uh, cost us a series against Chicago. So that was disappointing. The other part of it, uh, some, some real strong um, parts of the year, I liked our special teams. Uh, when you talk about evaluating your team, there's certain things that you know that if we're going to go to the next level, we have to get better. Uh, we have to be a better 5 on 5 team we have to be a better defending team at uh, at 5 on 5 and those are things that thoughts that have been going through my head for the last couple months here Dave Tippett
0: reflecting on last season no five nothing for Tampa Bay in the middle of the fifth leading the Dodgers in game 2 of the World Series tomorrow pickleball who knows what else we're going to come up with Thanks to Rob Brown, Pierre Maguire, AJ Gass, Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.
1: 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.